this, this tent. You know what I love about this town is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supports Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always, and for this week I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and my fellow Trust board member and recognisable town fan Derek Shepherd. Derek, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome, mate. Um, James, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, buzzing, mate. Well, yeah, what a weekend. Absolutely it was. So you are watching the Crystal Palace Review Podcast. Uh, let's get stuck into it. Okay, so for those of you who had a few sherbets after the game on Saturday, grabbed a curry and thought they'd get back for about half 11 at night, watch it on Match of the Day, and obviously missed it because incredibly we were first on the programme, even though Man City played Liverpool. Let's go through exactly what happened uh, during the game. 2-1 win, James. I think we were all confident starting it that it was a game that we could win. We highlighted that in the preview podcast. But I thought for the first half, Jesus Christ, it was a terrible game of football. It was a championship game devoid of any real quality apart from a double save from Thomas Kaminsky. And you're kind of like, this has got nil-nil written all over it when we got to half-time. Yeah, apparently there was a game plan and they had been working on something for the entire week. I'm not entirely sure what that was, but... um, you know, we, yeah, I could go into a lot of that, but ultimately I don't care really because they could, if they want to play that badly um, for the rest of the season and come away with loads of wins, we'll take that. Yeah, absolutely we will. Derek, let's go right back to the start of the game then. When the team sheet came out, obviously there's no Marvellous Nakamba on it. Was you fearing the worst? No, not really. I thought, um, I'm not a great lover of Pelly Ruddock, but I thought that he turned around would do the job for us. But um, Ross Barkley, slowly but surely throughout the season, he's getting more match fit and was able, he sits deep, he gives the ball away nice and easy. And when he drives forward, he turns around and opens up things for Luton Town. So it was disappointing not to see Marvellous because you're obviously fair people like Eze running down direct down the centre at you. But at the end of the day, it is what we got on the pitch. I mean, I was so hopeful with the side that, that was put out. It sounds like it's a knee injury for Marvellous. And um, we'll probably talk a bit more about uh, the impact that that might have when we do the Brentford podcast, uh, Brentford preview podcast later in the week. Um, no Kabore. We kind of knew that that wasn't happening when we did the preview. But Chio miraculously was good to go. And that was a, an immediate lift on the team sheet, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think he'd be playing at all. He couldn't get his foot in a boot for Ireland, but um, a magnificent international break led swing in there to, <laughs> to get out of that so he can play against Crystal Palace. Um, and yeah, what an impact he made uh, because the, the the pass for the winning goal was should have been triple X rated. Pornographic, that pass. Absolutely stolen my thunder with that. Not 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 for that cross, but for another piece of play in the first half, which Derek's just alluded to. There was a pass from Ross Barkley to Alfie Doughty, a 60-yard raking pass that was so filthy. 
that even though Match of the Day was on after the watershed, it still couldn't be shown on it. It was that <laughs> filthy. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, Derek, what do you make of Ross Barkley? You've obviously supported Luton for a long, long time. And, you know, you've got, you go back to the days of Ricky Hill, David Priest, and all of the great Luton midfielders. Where has he got the potential to sit? Well, with Ricky Hill, to me, first of all, he is the goat of Luton Town. Um, but when Ross Barkley first came to Luton Town, I had my reservations because of his injury history. Um, but he is now probably at the fittest he's been for some years, and he's now showing for Luton Town what he was showing as a 17, 18, and a 19-year-old when he was spoken about so highly within you know, this is the next future. And that's how I turn around and see Ross Barkley. Whatever happens to Luton this year, we stay in the Premier League or we get relegated, I just do, do hope that Ross Barkley stays with us because if we are relegated, he will absolutely run the show in the Championship. Yeah, that is for absolute sure. Listen, we are nowhere near done with the Ross Barkley loving <laughs> on this episode of the podcast, or dare I say it, many of the 50 or so that are... Um, going to follow it uh, that's for sure did you see a tweet that he put on Twitter last night mm. he's finding his rhythm finding his rhythm again as in he hasn't got his rhythm yet I mean Jesus Christ what are we going to have when he's found it it's like he's one incredible footballer yeah, he, well he hasn't been shown any love for many numbers of years has he since he went to Chelsea and he was a bit part player and not the star attraction that he was at Everton and then he goes to Nice and I don't know what happened over there. Could start and watch French football, but um, I think we talked about this early on. We said if if they can, someone can throw an arm around him, and the fans can get behind him, and um, you know he, he gets used to this. We're always told about the dressing room is a unique dressing room. He gets used to that and enjoys it and knuckles down, and and then when you're happy and confident, you, the, the good football comes out. And what we're seeing from him is yeah stuff that we haven't seen in a Luton midfield shirt for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that that pass was just incredible to Alfie, to be fair to him. And to be fair to Alfie, won us a corner from it, but couldn't get anywhere after that. But that was, um, he's some footballer, he really is. As I say, we'll come, on, we'll come back on to him because he had a major part to play uh, later on in the game. But before we sort of move on to the second half, Derek, that Kaminsky double save in the first half, he's really coming into his own between the sticks as a shot stopper, isn't he? Yeah, I probably I'm a, I'm an old school person, and I turn around. I love to see goalkeepers come out of six yard box and going up to the penalty spot and collecting crosses. Unfortunately, that's not the modern way of goalkeeping. But Kamiski, the first save was pretty quick, was, was pretty easy. But the second one, when he turns around, and hits it, and then he takes a deflection, and he's still going and manages, and he doesn't just parry it away to where it's going to finish a Palace player is turned around and parried it when it's fallen at the feet of a Luton player and we've managed to clear the ball. The ball that I see of Comiskey as a shot stopper is an upgrade from what we've had in recent years. But as I am, I say, I'm old school, I do love to see a keeper turn around and, and help the centre-backs out and turn around and come and collect the ball. But that's probably not the modern way of goalkeeping. Well, thankfully it wasn't at the other end as well because well we'll come on to the winning goal in a minute where the <laughs> goalkeepers had a right old um, mare for that one but before we get there I thought there were two turning points in the second half James the first one was when 
Eberé Eze went off because, as Derek alluded to, without Nakamba, he was just going right through the middle of us, left, right and centre, and wherever it was, he was dominating that first half. So when he went off, their shoulders dropped a little, ours kind of got a bit higher. And then the other turning point for me was the VAR disallowed goal. Me personally, I think the referee should see that all day long. But thankfully, and this is where the VAR is good, Sorted it all out. Took far too long to sort it all out. But thankfully, they saw that it was a handball. And the crowd lifted from that moment. And again, you kind of thought Palace were like, oh, this is not going to be our day. And they slumped again. And I thought they were two big moments early on, fairly early on in the second half. Yeah, certainly that disallowed goal. I mean, I saw it easy as well because he was on that side where I was on the bobbers. But And then I got to see it twice on a replay which showed it definitively before the referee had even called for a VAR check. I'm like, how does it take that long? Uh, ultimately, the, the right decision was was reached. I was a bit worried because sometimes you, you never know how it's going to go. But um, yeah, it's uh, it it was a, it was a relief. He didn't celebrate that much, did he? Because I think he knew. And <laughs> everyone was ready for a free kick rather than a kickoff, weren't they? So they all knew that he'd handballed him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, it, it did. Give that sort of impetus, I think, and yeah, the noise levels went up a little bit. And uh, but I think you know, we you, you told me you asked me about that first twenty twenty five minutes, which was you know, pretty bad for a, a Palace side that don't really command much of the ball. I think <clears throat> we said they had like forty three percent average possession. They seem to be making up for <laughs> the rest of their season in that twenty minutes when they just hogged it all and Luton could get out. But after that, I think Luton grew into it a little bit more and. And then the second half was manic and, and bloody long. I, f- I felt drained today after it. Well, it was long because they added 12 minutes to it at the end. Uh, a lot of people around me were kind of critical of that. But the, the second half didn't really get going for eight minutes because you had the Eze injury and then you had the fellow who got stretched off. It's kind of 53 minutes before a game of football really broke out in that second half. But was you the same as me, Derek? Was when Eze went off because they brought Jordan Ayew on who, you know, I mean, that's like... That's like swapping caviar for uh, crumbs out of bin, isn't it, really? It's like, <laughs> would, would you, did you feel a lot easier that once Eze went off? Yeah, I mean, I saw Eze play the week before a match of the day when he was driving into the penalty box and causing all sort of havoc. I do think the Luton turned around and coped with him pretty well for the first 45 or the first 55 minutes but he was still causing problems. When you turn around and get people driving at you, you get committed, you get pulled, you know, you're going to give away stupid free kicks in dangerous positions. I don't know if it was a changing point when he actually went off in the game. Um, you know, I just think I was I was 100 yards away down in the corner of the, of the enclosure and I could turn around and tell from there it was handball. I can't understand how the referee didn't blow him from like 15 yards away, but... There's no way he's, he's, he's lobbing that over the keeper, deft touch over him like that. But I think that was the turning point in the game. They got on a high, they got let down. We've gone up the other end and scored with inside 10 minutes. We've gone one in in front. Unfortunately, pretty much like Burnley, we've gone within <laughs> Burnley was 50 seconds. This was like a minute and 50 seconds. 1 1, curled in the far side, exactly like Burnley. But the one thing. On Saturday, we showed resilience and 
we didn't turn around and take a step foot and say we're going to play for a draw. And I thought Palace were happy for a draw. We drove at them, and it wasn't until we went two one in front that they turned around and wanted to show what they turned around. That they have got quality. They're a big physical side. But at times, we just start panicking. If we turn around and continue playing the football that we played to get to the position we are, we'll be fine. But it's, we, I don't know, we just hit the ball up the field and just rather sit back. We can sit back 18 yards, we get to 16 yards, we get to 12 yards, we get to 6 yards. Just play the football and how we got to where we are in the game. But we all say that. It's easier said than done. Ex-players understand, but we all do it as ex-players. And that's the way it is. Absolutely, yeah, uh, that's that's fair enough. That first goal, um, lovely ball in from Doughty. A little bit, of, it had Sunderland vibes about it, didn't it? In that first, uh, the first goal for the um, playoff semi final, ping pinballed around, and then Mengi's like, "I'll take control of this one." Controlled it lovely for a centre half, and then slotted it in the corner like a centre forward. Then we've got the VAR check, which I've got to be honest, now I've seen it on Match of the Day, I'm very surprised they didn't look at that longer because Chung is offside and in the line of the goalkeeper. And to be fair to Palace, I've heard no complaints about it because there'd have been an, an awful lot of complaints if it was some other sides that um, that, that happened to. But for a centre-half, what a lovely take and finish. Yeah, the control was amazing. I mean, that's what you get if you sign players from the Manchester Academy, I think. Um, yeah, quality stuff. And considering that's his first senior goal, it was ice cold, absolute ice in his veins to stick that in the bottom corner. And um, yeah, um, you could tell it was his senior first senior goal when he started to celebrate because he didn't really know what to do. He's like, he's running to the corner, but fair play to him. And it, it really should have been the fact that he could have celebrated that for a bit longer. Um, and, and maybe even it, that been the winning goal because, um, yeah, I mean, Elise's shot is is a worldie, but whack him into touch or something, maybe Amari Bell, but, you know. Um, it all turned out right in the end. It did. It did. I've got a bit of sympathy for them with Amari because it looked like he had him down on that touchline and then Elise's just put the afterburners on and he's absolutely gone. He's run the ball out of play, by the way. There is absolutely no two ways about it. He ran the ball out of play. But then he was allowed to go on and then once he cut inside, you just know where the shot's ending up. You don't even need to look at it. You've seen him play enough times, seen it on the telly. You just knew it was top corner bound. There's very few players who will turn around and um, hit the ball as crisply as that. I mean, he didn't go in just the top corner, in the back of the net. He's hit the top corner in the side of the net. No goalkeeper in the world would have saved that. But it's not the first time that Elise's done it. And I was... Um, I was just turned around there. When that was happening, and he's turned flat, he's, he's flicked it at the halfway line and turned around and get on the, on the outside of Amari Bell... My, all I was turning around and hoping for was just don't go showing him the in, don't show him the inside. Either go the outside or just bring him down. We could have defended a free kick. We'd be defending corners and free kicks for our hearts of content with their deliveries. And um, unfortunately, Amari, his pace when he's chasing back has carried him further because he's not expecting him to cut inside. And when Amari's drawn level with say that's when Cissé's decide on cutting back inside. I mean, they said a match of the day last night was a you know contender for goal of the season. Unfortunately, we've probably seen one today. Probably better that, but that's the way Premier League football is, mate. You can turn around and go months without 
you know, without these goals, and then all of a sudden they're like London buses, they turn up in twos and threes. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, Elise was quick to quieten or shush the Kenilworth Road end uh, in his celebration, but he can be equally as quick to shush his goal of the season. Uh, cl- claims after that Garnacho uh, goal for Man United, which also done Luton a bit of a favour uh, earlier on today. <laughs> Sucker punch. I've got to be honest with you, having celebrated the Mengi goal, and then had that again. And you're all thinking Burnley. Of course, we're all thinking Burnley. There ain't a person in the ground apart from the Palace fans who weren't thinking Burnley. But there's one thing about this team, and Derek highlighted it earlier on. They are as resolute and as game as they come. And they just picked themselves up, went again. And um, I mean, the winning goal, it's just, it's like, just slightly off the Liverpool goal, but it's almost an identical move, isn't it? Chong's carried the ball out this time. He's given it to Barkley, who yet again has timed a brilliant pass to Chio. The ball across, I mean, dear me. I mean, there's a lot of criticism about uh, the way that Yoki Anderson defended it, but I suspect what happened there was he saw Sam Johnston wipe Jordan Clark out three <laughs> or four years ago and he thought that was going to happen to him. That's why he left it. And Johnston just stood and watched. And fair play to Jacob Brown, because we put two or three decent balls across earlier in the game and everyone stood watching it. But Brown was off the bench and he was in there, put it in. And I mean, jubilation was just much similar, if not more, actually, to that Chongo because of the the dent that we'd just had. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. I think it was bad. I think it was an absolutely outrageous pass from Chio to stick it in from there. Um, Unbelievable. That's corridor uncertainty stuff, isn't it? That's that's what Anderton's got tied up with. Um, and yeah, I mean, they worked on it as well. I spoke to Gio and um, Jacob after the game and they were talking about that's a lot of what they were working on in the week. So um, I'm glad that's paid off. But Luton are uh, first in the division for meaningful crosses in the box anyway. That one, one of the best ones. I mean... It's just delicious, isn't it? As an, as assists go. And also, you've got to factor in, Chio started the game wide left. He's now moved to right back because Doughty's gone off. Kind of a little bit of imbalance, and that helped with the balance of it. But to curl that ball in, I mean, to be fair to Anderson, even if he tried to defend it, it was only going to end up in the back of his net anyway, much the same way that we've done it a couple of times in the past. And then, well, I mean, the last few minutes were just... Crazy. Yeah. Phew. You, you, <laughs> you, I've got far more grey hairs than when, when we started that uh, extra time period. Bloody hell, where would you get 13 minutes from? Well, we'll come on to that in a second. But before we do... I've gone bald over it, <laughs> Before we do, James just highlighted that he spoke to uh, Chio and Jacob about that winning goal. And, uh, well, let's get their thoughts then. Uh, here's what they had to say to James after the game. Dreaming about that first Premier League goal and the reality now, how's it it measure up to the dream? Yeah, (laughs) honestly, I'm just, I'm so buzzing. Like, obviously, you just dream of it, and I've been so close this season. And I think as it goes on, you're just thinking, like, when's it going to come? And for it to come today, like, I'm honestly just so buzzing. Um, I've not watched it back yet. I'm going to watch it a few times now. I'll be watching. Yeah, my missus will be fuming. I'll just be on my phone all night watching it. We'll we'll watch match of the day. Um, but yeah, no. It's the main thing is the three points because, like, as a team, we we're, we're all just supporting each other. So it's 
it's not about who scores it's about getting the points and and just the team performance like the whole staff the players and you can see that we share that um, experience with the fans at the end um, like it really it means a lot to us it's just a crazy feeling um, obviously when I was coming off the bench I just wanted to come on and help the team and the ball from Gio was just perfect and just get on the end of it and yeah we've got the goal and Managed to hold on to the end of the game and it was just a great feeling and massive three points. We'd worked on it through the week because um, obviously the way we wanted to play today we needed to get out wide and get the, the balls across the box so as soon as Chi got it I knew like where it had to be and I think when you work on it like that and for it to actually pay off like, it, just, it feels even better. I think the cross was that good that the keeper didn't want to come out to get it and the defender didn't want to touch it in case he scored an own goal so it was just sat, sat there for me and yeah, just tapped it in. Talk to us about that winning goal then, because that was some assist from you. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, who played it to Ross? Is it Ross played it out to me? But it was good play from the left, and we were able to get out. And obviously, Ross ball carrying, which he's very good at, you know, draws defenders to us when he was able to play me in. And I just seen, I actually, I was looking for Eli at the back, because I seen him waving at the back. But Ch um, Brownie came storming in, and you know, that's what we practice every time, just put it in good areas and make people sprint into the box. And... What you've seen in the second goal was exactly what we've been practicing in training. So I'm just so happy that we can rec replicate it in a match, match case scenario. And then obviously, hopefully, that will give us confidence that it is possible to achieve those and we can continue like that. Great for Jacob as well, obviously, because he's, he's been waiting for that first goal. And yeah. Like yeah, Jacob is um, Brownie has been very patient. I think he started well at the start of the season when he came out the team and, you know, trains very well. He's a very professional player. So. For him to get that goal, I'm so happy for him because he, when you're on the sidelines and waiting for your turn, it's it's easy to come on and just you know wait. And but he he didn't want to wait. He was you know sprinting into the box, doing the right turns, and you know I'm I'm so happy he was rewarded today. Yep, really great moment. And I actually I'm glad those two were involved in it as well because they've been key parts of our season so far. And uh, to net the first Premier League home win was was great. Uh, let's go on to the end of the game. James, you mentioned where did the 13 minutes come from? As I said, the first eight minutes of the half was a non-event because of the injuries. You're always going to get them back. Then the other five, you've got VAR checks, you've got three goals, you've got four subs. To be honest, I didn't think 12 minutes was out of line, but bloody hell did they feel like 12 weeks. <laughs> Honestly. I've I've been knackered all day today after that because it was just so tense. Luton deserved that victory, but that twelve minutes made you think, what what have they done to deserve that? Because it was, oh, I was just a siege, wasn't it? Like non-stop balls into the box. They got Mateta up front, who's about nine the million foot tall. The Premier League Akin Fenwer, <laughs> he's just um, yeah, a unit. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. But, um, you know. You'd maybe think that Luton might crumble under that, but they were absolutely f immense. And <clears throat> I thought Mengi had a great game anyway. There's great shouts for all over the park to give anyone man of the match. I gave it to Mengi, Mengi for that for that injury time regard because every time a ball went up there, he was on it. A couple of times, Osho, Lockyer was fantastic. The three of those in defence were wonderful. And Osho and Lockyer with the ball at their feet bursting out of the out of defence was was pretty good, but it just felt like Mengi was like, right, I'm not going to have the winning goal. But I'm definitely going to make sure we win this game. And thankfully, Derek, he had the woodwork to assist him as well because that would have been the ultimate cruelty had Lerma's header have gone in. Thankfully, it hit either it hit the crossbar or the post. I, I don't really care which one it hit. I'm just glad it hit something and bounced out. But 
you need a bit of luck to win a game of football and that was our bit of luck to win that game of football. Yeah, there's been times this season where we've, when we thought, like, I mean, we were nil-nil at Fulham and we turned around, there was a stone-cold penalty when the bloke's on the line on the floor and he rugby tackles Morris down there is going to go to the far post, which is our standard move to head back in there. Why is that not even a penalty? And, you know, a nil-nil, you're not guaranteed to score in a penalty, but if you do score, you're one nil and the game changes. So I'm not I'm not a great believer that things even out within a season. They probably even out over a span of 10, 12, 20 years or whatever. But, you know, we did we did deserve the fortune. I mean, if you turn around and put the header anywhere within the goal, bar down the middle where, where Comiskey was, well, Comiskey was coming out for the ball. So practically anywhere inside the goal would have been a goal, but he's got too cute with it. Since Mengi's come in, and he's played on the left-hand side, he's played in the centre, he's played on the right-hand side. I think he's made the back three for Luton Town a lot stronger. He's so so physical on the floor, so physical in the air. His passing isn't great, but he's a young lad, it will come. But I think that he's made Luton a lot better, or a lot stronger defensively. And since he's come in... We're able to stay in games a lot longer, and I think he's been a, a great difference to Luton Town. Now, I do love Reese Burke, and I think Reese has really adapted early in the season to Premier League football. But if I turn around and had to name three centre backs, I'd have Locker and Menge plus any other. And that's that's on my team sheet. Yeah, you, you kind of preempted my question there, mate. I was going to ask you if um, Menge stays in the team if everyone's fit, and I, I would absolutely agree with you. I mean, I've spoken on. How many podcasts I've spoken about this guy is going to be special. I saw it at Exeter. I wrote about it on James's website. There's something special about this bloke. What I like about him, and we saw it so evidently yesterday, he's aggressive in the air and he gets up so bloody early, doesn't he? As soon as that ball's left the crosser's foot, he's up there and he seems to hang up there for like ever and a day. And Mateta's like, will you get off me? <laughs> and, it, and And he's like, yeah, I will, but I'm heading the ball away first. And it's like... How do you do it? He's just, apart from the one that Lerma hit the crossbar in, they must, I'm not even exaggerating here, they must have slung 30 crosses in the box in that 12 minutes. And 29 of them were nutted away by him. It was just an incredible passage of play. It's it's kind of enjoyable in hindsight, but at the time it was really <laughs> painful, wasn't it? Oh my God, every second felt like a year and it just went on and on and on. And you just felt something was going to drop for them. And it did, obviously it did, because um, Lerma had the header, but like, you know, Ed has been saying for weeks, well, he's been saying since the entire season, you're going to win games, you've got to ride your luck a bit and your, your keeper's got to pull off some saves, which he did, top draw ones, um, maybe at the woodwork and then um, come out of it like that. But um, yeah, it's it, that was the long, uh, yeah. I think Rob Edwards said afterwards, the longest football match he's ever been involved in where it's not going to extra time. I'd probably make him right on that. Something about when Sam Johnston's keeper, isn't there? Because there were nearly 20 minutes at West Brom that day when he wiped Jordan Clark out. 13 minutes they ended up playing yesterday. It was, I mean, it's like, come on, ref. And you only had to look at Mengi's reaction after the game. He literally just collapsed to the floor, didn't he? He was, for the want of a better word, Donald ducked. He was absolutely out on his feet. Well, not even on his feet. He was absolutely flat out and, and fair play to him. And then those scenes afterwards, Derek, I mean, that's what we've waited for all season, isn't it? That home win, celebrating with the players, backs to the wall effort. It's just, 
It's everything that's got us here and everything that we enjoy about it. Those 12 minutes seem like, I know, two and a half hours. But And I agree with every one of you. I mean, apart from Osho winning a couple, I thought he was superb. Mengi, he's so physical and everything. And I'll tell you, yeah, it was, it was hard to watch when you turn around and two one up and you're clinging on. And I'm just thinking, just keep playing the way you've been playing. But unfortunately, as I said in life, in football, you get deeper and deeper and deeper. But yeah, I, it was hard at times. But they did deserve what they got there. You know, Luton, Luton, Luton Town were brave enough to turn around and not sit on a 1-1, where I think Palace, when they got to 1-1, they were happy enough with the draw. Luton turned around and then went up the field and we scored the second goal. And that turned around and that, that galvanised Palace. But that's what you would expect from any Premiership side. They've turned around and got the experience of being in there for years and years. And you've just got to keep going. And unfortunately, at times, Luton is still learning. We're, you know, we will be a better side in February than we are now because we will continue learning. The pace of the game, the physicality of the game, you can't make mistakes, you get punished and all sorts. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with that anymore if I tried. The thing is, we're learning every single game. And then when you put a collective of 10 games into it, you can really see the improvement. Yeah, you can, yeah. I mean... From, from going from Brighton away first game of the season when we try to play on the front foot and you're getting caught out because you're throwing people forward. You're 1-0 down, you chase the game. You go 2-0 down, you chase the game. You go 3-0 down or whatever, 3-1. And with 3-1, you're still trying to get a 3-3 draw from it and you get, and get caught down the other end. And then we go to Chelsea. Unfortunately, we didn't play Burnley in between. But you go to Chelsea and we fall 1-0 down to an early goal. Um which is probably Sterling's best goal he scored in, I don't know, two years or whatever. But, you know, and then we're, we're as much in the game from that time there until the 73rd or 74th minute when they score their second. And they only score their second on the break because we're turning around and looking for an equaliser. But since then, take off the Villa game, and I still think we played quite well at Villa, but they are very strong. They're six from six or whatever at home this season. Every other game, we are being so competitive. And if only we can turn around at home and can repeat the performance that we turn around or the energy we put out when we play Liverpool, if we can repeat that for the other 13 home games, we can get another six, seven wins. Six wins is 18 points on top of what we've already got. 30 points will probably turn around and dear enough guarantee you from staying up this season. Yeah, I agree. I think 30 points. You get 30 points, uh, you sign up to that and um, come what may, the win is everything of course it's everything who cares how we played was it Luton's best performance on Saturday was it Eck we were much better against Liverpool we were probably better against Wolves and Burnley didn't win any of those games no one cares you've got to win games football to stay in this league but what that win in particular the mentality that that win will bring the squad they've got that monkey off their back if indeed it was one they know they can win at this level. They know they can win home games. They know they can win when they don't play well. They know they can win when they get a sucker punch and a right kick in the you-know-whats. That is going to do so much for, let's be honest, we've got a fucking tough month coming up. It's going to do so much to carry us through that month. Yeah, I mean, we called it a must-win because of that month that they've got coming up. But it's going to be a, a, a huge turning point. We'll be waiting for that home win, um, obviously. And it's come in, um, everybody was so delighted about it. I think there's other things surrounding it as well, which when you look back on it, um, you'll start to think, hold on, we've got a chance here. I think the players know it anyway, but even to the point you, 
that Luton first on first on match of the day, and then Ian Wright's waxing lyrical. It's the second time he's done it as well. They're not doing that about the other two promoted teams, and and now we're starting to pull away. We've got that points gap, as four well. point gap, four, four, four points, four points, um, and it's looking a lot healthier now. You're not. I mean, we haven't reached the target of it yet, but those noises about you're not even going to get Derby's points total, they're sort of going now. And and you can look to Burnley for that, I, I guess. But um, I think that the confidence that all of that breeds, really, um, is, is is paramount. The, the the point that Ian Wright was making, and he, don't forget he's Mr. Palace as well. He's Palace here, isn't he? And saying that Luton are so competitive, and they are. You take those... Three games, the first two games, and then the Aston Villa one, which Derek said, then they're only losing by the odd goal, and and sometimes just the odd mistake. And yeah, if if you keep progressing and cre- keep playing better, or keep uh, learning and to play that way that like they did, which was more resilient than better, um, then you're going to pick up be- better results, I think. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of more confident than ever really about the prospects and. We've got four or five players that aren't even in the squad because they're injured. What's what's it going to be like when they come back? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you said to me that we were going to be a decent Aston Villa side without marvellous Nakamba, without Issa Kabore, who you know affected the balance of that side, and without a couple of other sort of kind of well, they were key men at the time, weren't they? Anderson and Burke and one or two others who clearly aren't fully fit but they're putting a shift in because that's what they need to do I'd have been like well I'm not sure about that but that's what do these, we beat Aston Villa that's what these boys did I say Aston Villa <laughs> yeah. well, well I'm saving that for when, when they come down in Crystal Palace um, they've both got some blue in their shirts this is alright it's fine um, I'd have been like oh, I, don't, I don't, don't know about that but that's what we do isn't it it's, we've shown it in the championship um, promotion season in the championship playoff season when we had no centre backs we had to put full backs in there we had to put midfielders in there we keep clean sheets it's what this club does they just keep going I'd like us to keep a clean sheet in the Premier League but um, you know it comes down again to um, recruitment and you're seeing these players come in there and um, there's just something about Luton Town their their research to players and your recruitment, you know, very few sides will improve year on, year on, year on, year on. And we're fortunate enough that we turn around, we're unfortunate enough to turn around and see practically kicked into exile and we've ended up in a conference. But there'll be very few sides. I mean, I think it's only Notts County or Wrexham who can actually end up being in the conference back to the top flight of football as in they were before. But they ain't going to do it in the time span that Luton Town have done it. And all the money the Rex are going to throw at it, you're going to get caught out in the end. And that's what I love about this club. We turn around, we're, we're not, we're not, we don't throw money at things. We turn around, we have a structure. We take each step by step. We might not reach the plateau we want to each year because obviously we aim high. But, you know, I mean, we're a side here in the Premier League. And if we stay up there, that will be a kick in the teeth to the Premier League. Every side who gets promoted from the Championship thinking we've got to spend 150, 200 million, we're going to turn around and do it on a 20, 20, 25 million pound budget and with the lowest salary paid out to players. And it, you've only got to turn around and listen to these players. They all turn around there. It's not just this year or whatever, or the year before. They all turn around and say, when they come to this club, there is just this. There's just this 
a buzz and a vibe. It is an absolute pleasure to come into work. There's not many people who can turn around and say that every day that they turn around and go to work. It's a pleasure to go to work. But these lads turn up there. It's a pleasure to work. And when it's a pleasure to work, they'll put their effort out on that pitch. And that that effort that they put out is their reward. I couldn't be more proud of the, 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 the side that I support. And I've turned around and been watching Luton Town since the early 70s. So. Yeah, no, well said. Um, I think we're all immensely proud and I mean that 10 year journey James I mean I did an interview with Football Focus well I say I did <laughs> Kevin Palmer did my identical <laughs> twin Kevin Palmer did yeah um, <laughs> did an interview with Football Focus beforehand and uh, the last question I got asked was was I enjoying the Premier League and absolutely I'm enjoying the Premier League for the reasons that Derek's just said you know 10 years ago it was 10 years ago to that very day of yesterday wasn't it that Steve McNulty stuck that screamer in the top corner against Southport I mean that's where we've come from to be beating a team like Crystal Palace who pretty established in the Premier League now I mean it's just it's fantastic and the boys deserve everything they get because they are absolutely putting in everything they can possibly put in both in training as you alluded to earlier but particularly on a Saturday afternoon Sunday afternoon or Friday night or Monday <laughs> night or any other bloody time they want us to play in this league absolutely I think we've been quite positive and upbeat on this podcast uh, maybe it's not the Burnley one we were devastated by that one but you know what a difference a couple, a couple of weeks makes or a month or whatever it is um, yeah I think it's a different set of challenges different set of uh, uh, things to enjoy about this obviously you're not um you know, beating all before you and, and winning loads of games, which is what you ultimately want. But we've been seeing progress and we've been seeing uh, development. We've seen players come in and, and, and step up to the task and really learn quickly in in a way that you can't you can't say that about Burnley. And they ran away with the championship, but they've come up to this division hoping they can still play the type of football they were playing back then. But there's loads of teams that can play that better in this division, whereas Luton are trying to play what's in front of them and understand that they're, they're not going to be the best footballers there, apart from when Ross Barkley's on the ball. <laughs> um, and, and and just like really stick in games like they have been and make it difficult. And then now, we've seen the last two home games at least, can go away in the last, like in the dying embers of a game and, and, and get goals. And, and that's um, a great platform, I think, to, to start from. They play to their strengths and abilities. Our thing is to turn around there, we don't want to have the ball, we don't want to have loads of possession. We'll turn around and we'll suck it up or whatever. But we have these two lads, well, in last year, whatever, in the championship, two la- large lads up front. Now we're probably only playing with the one. But Morris turns around and just, honestly, he hasn't, people go on about him, he scored like three goals, two penalties, and one from the free, one on a volley against Everton from the free kick. And he hasn't scored really in open play. But I just answer those people. The amount of running that that lad does, or whatever, he creates so many channels for other people to turn around and run in behind. And um, we play to our strengths. We're the Wimbledon of the 1980s or whatever in the, in the top flight of the division. We do play direct, but why should we play any different? That is our strength. Other sides aren't used to that. They're all used to this ticky-tacky football or whatever, you know, you play it around the backs or whatever, short corners and whatever you want to do. That's why Burnley got found out. Burnley were by far the best side of the championship. And they come down to Luton Town this year and they turn around and beat us 2-1. I mean, we didn't show up until the second half, if, if we turned up at all. But 
you know, they turn around, fair play. They beat us 1-0 last year with a penalty. They've gone and beat us 2-1 this year at our place. Um, we were probably maybe fortunate that we got there, played them the second game of the way from home last year and got a 1-1 draw. But they do, as you turn around and said, James, they turn around and play this football, and it is nice football, but they showed yesterday against Arsenal, or whatever, they, I can't remember, it wasn't Arsenal, was it? But they turn West Ham, wasn't it? West Ham. They turn around, they do play this nice football, but every side in the Premier League play that type of football and they're that step up there. You've got a £20 million player, the opposition have got a £50 million player. These sides aren't used to this turnaround, this physicality and this directness that Luton turn around and play. We may get found out second half of the season when we play these sides again. That's why it's important that we get as many points this half of the season. But long may it continue because, you know, this is just the Luton way. We don't do things conventional, do we? We all know that as Luton fans. Anything you can turn around and, you know, stick your two fingers up at the FA or the Football League or whatever, or the injustices we've gone through, Unless you've been a Luton fan, you do not absolutely... You can read about it, but you don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. So the same year as Luton Town turn around and get 10 points deducted for a use of illegal legal, uh, legal um, agents or whatever and paying out of, t- out of hand. The same time Tottenham Hotspur and Portsmouth turn around and this underhand deal with an agent that's unregulated. And then three months later, the person from the FA ends up at Portsmouth. It comes out in the washing in the end. It just absolutely stinks. And they turn around and try to make an example of Luton Town. And every time that we turn around and we go and absolutely improve, it's just sticking two, two fingers up at the authority. Uh, you, you're absolutely yeah. right. I certainly don't disagree with that. And actually, to be fair to Roy Hodgson, he was full of praise after the game, wasn't he? Yeah, about, 100%, um, about us, about the journey and about everything. Do you know what? I'm really starting to warm to Roy Hodgson. He, <laughs> he he took the scummers down. He clapped the Palace fans on the day that he done it. And now he's bigging up Luton's journey. I mean, I've almost forgiven him for Iceland now. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's long in the tooth. He, he, he knows the score. And um, yeah, where football memories are quite short, really, aren't they? But um, yeah, he would, he would have seen what's happened there. And I mean, everything that's happened in the last weeks or so with the Everton points deduction... We know that Man City have got 115 charges that they're not being very helpful over. Um, and Chelsea are under investigation and that Tottenham one came to light since the last last podcast we did. So I don't know if that's been charged or anything, but there's, I think it's an investigation, isn't it? So I think we probably have to outline that. But, um, you know, you've got all these situations and Luton, they're just plugging away, doing their own thing, doing everything the right way, um, not breaking the bank but creating this sort of identity and uh, unity with uh, the players and, and the fans and, you know, everything that uh, that long journey has, has brought us up to was what came out of the final whistle, I think, uh, against Crystal Palace. I mean, we've heard roars before, um, particularly in last season. We always highlight them. Watford, Sunderland, the player final was amazing, but spine tingling it was. It was brilliant. It was an absolutely superb win for Luton Town. Uh, it, obviously, everyone in the ground, every Luton fan, whether you were there or whether you weren't there, would really feel um, great about it. But let's find out what another player felt about the victory because James didn't just speak to Chio and um, Brown. He also spoke to, well, one of the one of the many heroes on the day, Ted and Mengi. Uh, rather than focus on the goal, though, 
we got his opinion on just what that win will do for confidence going forward and how they can take that into next Saturday's game against Brentford. How much do you think that victory can now do? Because it's, you know, it's something hanging around doing your next, not necessarily performances were decent, but not getting wins. Yeah, just, just motivate us really. Just prove to us that we can get results and we can get, we can do the, what we do is in our hands really. And if we believe that we can win games and get points on the board, we can do that and we proved it today. So we just take, like I said, we take the winning feeling into the next games and we get the points required on the board and we just keep on climbing from here. Because the games are tight, aren't they? When you have been losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odd odd goal here and there. Yeah. If you can do as you did there, you know, score... But you've got they scored an equaliser, but then you come back and rally and, and get it again. That's, yeah. that's something to really. I mean, you've been improving week by week anyway, but that's yeah. another thing you can talk about to your list. Yeah. Like you said, it's been. Where in recent weeks, when we've been losing, it's only been by fine margins. So, um, yeah, if we can just iron out like the, the, the final details of the conceding as soon as we score if we can just iron that stuff out like we can really rack the points up and, and go and do well this season we cherish this moment and we take it into the next games and we get the results good to hear from um mengi obviously you know his first goal huge huge moment for him but like he said you know it's all about focusing for next week and that was very much the thoughts of Rob Edwards after the game as well. We sent James along to his press conference after the game where the thoughts have already turned to uh, the game against Brentford. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, it was lovely. I mean, the fans deserve they deserve it. It's nice for to be able to celebrate tonight. They've got to enjoy it. You know how difficult it is to win games in this league and, um, you know, we'll enjoy it. But today wasn't perfect. It was a perfect result for us, but it wasn't perfect. The performance can still improve. It needs to improve. So we'll get back to work and keep keep working hard on getting better um, but again it's important for, for everyone that can to enjoy it as well tonight because um, you know it's difficult to get three points in this league for me I'll probably start watching Brentford on my laptop that's what it what about the rest of them? Oh, hopefully the lads can enjoy it I'm not like it's, I don't want us having a party or anything we've done nothing we've got nine points I don't think that's anything to to be going out and you know, having a going to the nightclub and and and, and having a flipping disco or anything in a party. How old did I sound there? I'm like, I'm in a disco. I don't know where that came from. Um, nah, we enjoy it, you know, but we've got to go again. Brentford's really difficult next week, and um, and then we've got Arsenal and Man City to look forward to. So we, we we've got to keep improving and getting better. So enjoy the moment, enjoy the feeling. Um, it's nice the, the players can can enjoy their weekend of course but uh, it's back to work quickly okay gents it's only fair that we finish this podcast off by eulogizing over our number six again because I mean he was he's just he's the he is the person who's going to keep looting in the Premier League isn't he let's not make no bones about it everyone at that training ground knows Ross Barkley's the standout individual down there and if Luton do stay up this season, he's going to have pulled off enough magic to do it because he's so calm on the ball. He's so solid on the ball. He's so good on it. He uses it well. The only thing we haven't seen from him yet, and it will come, particularly if he's still finding his rhythm, like he said on Twitter yesterday. The only thing we haven't seen yet is a strike from edge of the box or slightly further that ends up in someone's top bins. And um, well, he's got six games coming up in December that if he wants to choose two or three of them to pick it out <laughs> in, that would be very, very handy. Um, he is in, he's a world-class footballer, 
playing in a Luton shirt, and uh, I love to see it. Yep, I've, I've been seeing all over the weekend people... He can't clap, although to be fair, he's getting much better at that. And he's even waiting now till the end, isn't he? And quite rightly so, because he deserves the plaudits It's all on his own. But he's a world-class footballer. He is. And when you see people on social media all over the weekend going, he's um, you know one of the best footballers I've seen in a Luton shirt. Um, yeah, it would be different generations, obviously, because I never saw Ricky Hill play. Well, I mean, I did, but not... Not pro- I don't remember it properly. I wasn't. I was too young to really sort of analyse the game. Really, um, yeah, he, he, he is. He's, he's, he's top draw footballer, and it's it would come out even more if he scores a, like a thirty yard barnstorm or something. But just in the simple stuff, like you, you highlight the pass he made for Doughty in the first half, and, and the pass was unbelievable. But a little sort of drop of the shoulder, a little bit of a turn, gets away from players, and then you can spot that and. You'd like to think that most footballers can do it, but they can't because they, otherwise that would be happening all the time. I to mean, spot it and do it is is unbelievable. I mean, let's get it right. There's only him and Eze on that pitch yesterday. Maybe a touch of Michael Elise as well. You can even see that, mm. let alone actually deliver it. Mm. It's It was sensational. It was. and it, But his it's control in, in tight areas as well, and he's not panicked at all. He, he, can, um, he can even... Uh, knock it off to a, another player and, and do a little one-two and get out of it. Or he's quite comfortable to go on a little dribble and he's got the strength to do it. And yeah, I mean, he was just absolutely outstanding in everything he did. And um, like I say, if it wasn't for Mengi's last 13 minutes, uh, well, he played well all game as well, but that last 13 minute stand where he just was not having it <laughs> whatsoever, he'd have been my man in the match. And that's harsh on Kaminsky as well, because he was wonderful too. It's harsh on a lot of people, actually, to be fair. Derek, um, I've already started the Alfie Doughty for England campaign. Do I start the Ross Barkley for England campaign? Uh, I guess if we're, if we're still having Jordan Henderson in an England squad, we should be talking about Ross Barkley in an England squad, should we not? Well, first and foremost, Kev, my daughter would be proud or love it that you're turning around and shouting for the Alfie Doughty because she's got to turn around and got the new shirt with the 45 on the back and Doughty. Um I don't know. So I I try to remain level-headed. Um, I've seen some great players turn around and play for Luton Town, and I've seen some. The word legend is thrown around too much, whatever in football. There is one or two people I'll turn around and put the legend take up with Luton Town, but um, Ross Barkley. I'm excited, and I feel you know, if Ross Barkley can turn around and remain fit the rest of this season. Luton, have, Luton do have a a real chance of turning around and staying up because you can't tell one man can't carry a whole team on his shoulders, but he can have a big say in, in matters. Whether if he can turn around and keep playing the way he is now, and still put that maybe that extra five percent when he's turning around and saying that he's not quite there in the rhythm, that will be massive for Luton Town. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I don't mean to put too much pressure on your shoulders, Ross, but hey, you're used to um, pressure. You're more than capable of carrying that pressure, that is for sure. Uh, kind of fitting that I spoke about uh, Ross Barkley for England because it was a sad day for English football fans today with the news that Terry Venables passed away. James Hill have been the best England manager of our lifetime. He came within Gazza's toenail of bringing football home in 96, one of the best summers that I've ever had largely down to the football that his England team played the night that they took a Holland apart, the goal against Scotland, 
everything about that summer was just fantastic. And it's just sad that a really good England manager and indeed player before him has uh, sadly passed on. It is. Um, I didn't even realise he was eight years old, he's, but he's been in the game a long time. But that summer, 96, was one of my formative years. I mean, it, it was unbelievable what he what he did there. And <clears throat> I've seen the documentaries and everything about it since. And he, he almost just let that that England squad go out there and play with the freedom because they had those players that could do it. And it's just sort of like, I just thought, I'm not that interested in England at the moment. I'll watch them when they get to the tournament, obviously. But if only Gareth Southgate could like let those players let the shackles off and just play with a bit of freedom and play bloody well, play 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 players who are in form for starters, um, that would help. And, and players that are actually playing in top divisions that might help as well. But um, hello, Alfie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what what he did for that team and um, yeah, it was it, you know how how that. How his spell at England ended as well, um, and and what came after was you just I just felt that they could have gone to that World Cup in '98 under Terry Venables and been so much better than they were. Um, but you know that's that's the that's the FA for you. That's the FA for you. And I remember my dad was a Chelsea fan, and I turn around, I remember him talking about Terry Venables. I mean, I was born in 63 and he turned around and talked about Terry Venables. I was lucky enough that one of the first games I turned around and saw was in the 67 All-London Cup final, Tottenham and against Chelsea, but Terry Venables were playing for Tottenham at the time. And, every, you know, I'd and watch England. Venables was an entertainer on the field, but Terry Venables took what he did on the field off the field of play. He was unlucky in 96 because... We're a penalty kicks away from Germany. If we turn around and got past that, England would have been Euro champions. If Terry Venables was in charge of England today with a group of players that we've got, England won't be ranked number four in the world. England would be ranked number one in the world because if turn around, he'll just play on the front foot. He's a great believer that we will score, you know, we might concede three, but we're going to score four or five. We're not going to have this sturgid football. Venables was... 20 years in front of his time, he changed Spanish football when he was at Barcelona and he's done it throughout his career. Condolences to his family and friends. Send you all the best wishes. Prayers will go out to you all. Thank you very much, Mr. Venables, for turning around there. Someone like myself, giving me the enjoyment in my younger years. So you've been an absolute blessing to football and you're one of the people that will be truly missed. Thank you very much. Yep, here, here. Uh, as I say... James and myself reveling memories of 96 for a long time. So, yeah, rest in peace, uh, Terry Venables. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. My thanks go to everyone who has watched or listened to the podcast, however you consumed the podcast, to James and to Derek for joining me uh, to review Luton's second win of the season. Our thanks also to the Hightown Club who've hosted the episode. If you have heard a little bit of background music towards the end of the episode, they do have uh, entertainment downstairs. We'll try and dampen that out as much as we can, but you might just pick up the odd sound here or there. We hope you haven't uh, lost your enjoyment too much from that. Thanks to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on our set. Until the next podcast, which will come along later in the week where we preview our away game at Brentford, uh, all I've got left to say is come on, you hatters.
You know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're Luke people. 